Well, good morning, beautiful people. It is so good to have you all here and join us for yet another Unity Worship. And um, the sermon that I'm going to give today is a lot like the sermon I gave a couple of weeks ago, where we talked about finding unity in the midst of our disagreements and engaging in hard conversations, reaching across the aisle to find the fullness of Christ's love, especially in those we consider different than ourselves. And I'm sure you remember every word of that sermon, but I just felt that it was important for us to continue the conversation for the world that we live in today, where it's so easy for us to live in our own bubbles that we often create or the bubbles that that are created by society. But as I envision a better world, and as we envision a better world together, a more kind and less divided society, conversations like these are where I find the most hope. So for whatever reason, the human condition has been marked by division and separation. Like I said a few weeks ago, we are no stranger to this division. People have been divided over all sorts of things for since forever. It's just been part of our nature. It's something that we often just fall into, something that we have to continue to work hard at changing each and every day. And as kingdom people, as followers of Christ, We are given a new concept to live by, which urges us to activate this change, and this is found in our scripture reading from today. The scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. Hear these words. If you love those who love you, Why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good for those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to someone whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid in full. Instead, love your enemy. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act. For he is kind and grateful. Uh, He is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Our passage is just a small portion of a larger conversation Jesus had with those who chose to follow him. Jesus starts by telling the disciples to love their enemy. He instructs them to lay down their differences and love those the world says it's okay to hate. Now this notion of love the enemy can have a range of meanings depending on uh, the context. For example, it can mean win over your opponents with kindness, or to take the moral high road and rise above pettiness, or demonstrate a Christ-like character as a Christian witness. 
Jesus gave a simple rule of thumb for this behavior, which is to ask yourself what you would want people to do for you, then you take the initiative to do that for others. He says, don't expect a pat on the back for loving the lovable or a medal for helping those who helped you. Don't consider yourself charitable if you give in hopes to receive. We are called to live out our God-created identities the way that God lives towards us, full of generosity and full of graciousness. Through the scripture, we see that Jesus' ethical teachings transcends the standard for his time. And he calls his disciple to live with the same standard of faithful living. Yet we see this all throughout the gospel. And we often talk about Jesus turning the world upside down and telling his followers that the ways of the world are different than the ways of God. But we see in this scripture particularly where Jesus exposes the faults in people, only extending love and unity within their own bubbles or homogenous communities. As Christ followers, we too are called to a higher standard of living, which includes extending love and being united with those outside of our bubbles, to those outside of our walks of lives. And one person who understood this was the notorious Mr. Rogers. Now, Mr. Rogers, an ordained Presbyterian minister who became, he is remembered for his pioneering work in children's television, specifically Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, was the first to acknowledge that the success of the neighborhood was not his alone, but the result of those who shared it with him. A chef who walked with a limp, a handyman who had a lot of passion for jazz, and a speedy messenger who talked just as fast as he delivered, and yes, even a police officer who sang opera. When Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood first aired in 1968 on a public television station, American viewers, I'm sure, were desperate for some good news. The previous decade brought political assassins, the threat of a Cold War, the Civil Rights Movement, and the Vietnam, Vietnam War. And television had delivered all of this right into the homes of American societies. In many ways, television shaped and escalated the conflicts of the 1960s in the same way that the internet shapes and escalates current ones simultaneously expanding and shrinking our senses of communities. Mr. Rogers used his neighborhood to show the world as it should be, a microcosm of kindness, where neighbors loved and supported each other through difficult times of death and divorce and danger. It was a space where Mr. Rogers helped viewers confront their own fears and prejudices leading them past their own bubbles and safety nets. From the beginning, Mr. Rogers challenged the nation's understandings of race through his friendship, both on and off screen, with Francois Clemens, the neighborhood police officer, who also happened to be African-American. 
Now Clemens pursued a career in real life in opera singing and was already touring when Mr. Rogers heard him perform at his home church in Pittsburgh. And soon after hearing him, Mr. Roberts invited Clemens to be a part of the neighborhood as a police officer. Now Clemens told interviews that Fred, interviewers that Fred came to him and said, I have an idea. You should play a police officer. And Clemens responds, he says, that kind of just stopped me right in my tracks. I grew up in the ghetto. I didn't have a positive opinion of police officers, and I really had a hard time seeing myself in that role. So I wasn't that excited about being Officer Clemens at all. But Mr. Rogers prevailed, and Clemens came around and joined the show. In doing so, Clemens also became the first African-American to receive uh, a re reoccurring role on a children's television show. But Mr. Rogers decided to press social conventions even further. A few months after Clemens' debut, the show opened with a typical manner of Mr. Rogers inviting neighbors to be, uh, inviting viewers to be his neighbors. But instead of putting on that iconic cardigan, Mr. Rogers talks about how hot the day is and how nice it would be to put his feet in the pool of cold water. He moves to the front yard and fills up a small plastic pool with water and begins to soak his feet. Soon, Officer Clemens drops by for a visit and Mr. Rogers invites him into the pool to share the cold water with him. Clemens accepts, rolls up his pant legs from his uniform, and places his very brown feet in the same water as Mr. Rogers' very white feet. Now today, this small gesture might seem insignificant, but in 1969, it was huge considering the legal separations and divisions we had under the law. But here, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, only five years later, a quiet Presbyterian minister and an African-American police officer shows the world how to integrate swimming pools. Roger invites, Clemens accepts, and as Clemens slips his feet into the pool, the camera holds a shot for several seconds, as if to make the point clear a pair of brown feet and a pair of white feet can share a swimming pool. And nearly 25 years later, Roger Clemen, Rogers and Clemens reenact that moment. A much older Roger and a much older Clemens sit with their feet in the water of the blue pool and they think about the many different ways in which children and adults can say, I love you. From singing, to cleaning up a room, to drawing a special picture, to making plays with one another. There were so many ways to say, I love you. And as that scene ended, Mr. Rogers took the towel and helped Clemens dry off his feet. And he simply said, here, let me help you. This is how I envision the kingdom. I envision a colliding of communities 
a coming together of different people from very different worlds, uniting in love and sincerely appreciating each other's presence. It has been our nature to divide, to separate ourselves, and to only exist in communities of others that are like us. The world tells us to draw lines, to build fences, and to create division, yet Christ calls us to a higher standard of living. That is to extend love beyond our inner circles and to stand in unity with those outside our boundaries. That is to be a church of inclusion where Christ's body is is a place for people of all walks of life to feel welcomed. A place where we make room at the table and invite everyone to be our neighbors. A place where we invite others for a dip in our pools, especially when it's considered taboo. Let us be the officers, Officer Clemens. Let us be the Mr. Rogers that the world so desperately needs. Let us be the people who abandon the ways of the world, its ways of separation, its ways of division. And let us stand with Christ, stand with the unity in Christ and his love for all people in all places. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.